you know, the, uh, this morning, as we're talking in Romans, let's continue through Romans chapter 11, as we go through 17 through 24, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is uh, the importance of warnings. You know, we, we, we warn those who we love. Um, you know, the uh, um, Carol's mom, when we got married, they lived up in La Follette. And uh, uh, there was, as you would drive up to their house, you could kind of take a little shortcut on the back road and kind of go up. But if you took it, when you left their house, you had to pull out on uh, the highway. I don't know what the highway was. But there was no traffic light there. So every time I left there, Carol's mom would always say, now be sure and go out by the light. Because the other place is a little dangerous. There's a hill there and the cars came real fast. And one day I, she forgot to remind me. And I, and I accused her of not loving me anymore. You know, because she didn't say anything about the light. You know, she always said, now, I mean, we're, we're talking, she did this for I, every time, you know. Now be sure and go out to the light, you know, and turn at the light, you know. But one time she said, do you not love me anymore? You know, because it was just so important. Um, the, the warning that she'd give me. And we need warnings. Warnings are important. You know, when I think of my life and, and, and um, my walk with the Lord, um, we need those warnings. We need those encouragement. We need those things around us to come. And, 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 and because we're so... It's, it's easy to get tired. It's easy to, to, to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to just quit. We need warnings. Paul, as Paul writes to the church in uh, Romans chapter 11, he's warning us in the church in this. Romans chapter 11 in verse 17 through 24. But if some of the branches were bro broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive, of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Then you say, branches were broken off, so that I might be grafted in. That is true. Branches were broken off. I mean, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast, stand fast through faith, so you do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note, note then, the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided you continue in His kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even if they, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature, a wild olive tree, engrafted contrary to its nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branch, be grafted back into their own olive tree? 
Paul is getting ready to conclude this discussion on the sons of Israel. He's been talking about this for a while, for a couple of chapters, and we're coming to the end up. He's bringing it all together. And I have to admit that there's a lot about this I still don't quite understand. There's a lot in this. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's just um, really, it's just it's somewhat of a mystery. Um, on one hand, the Bible repeatedly and clearly states there is no distinction between Jew and Greeks. Paul said that in Romans 10, 12, and 13. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing on riches on him who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is only one salvation. Only one. We are all and have and anyone has ever only been saved through faith. And faith alone. There, there is no special ethnicity that will get you saved more than another. It is by faith, in faith alone. Period. It has always been that way. There is one baptism, one salvation, one Lord. We are absolutely unified in Christ. When we're at that wedding feast, as we read from Matthew 22, there's no difference. We're all, we're all wearing matching robes. We will look, look, Identical. There's no difference between there. That's, 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 look the same. That's clear. On the other hand, as you read through Romans 10 and 11, there's a plan for the Gentiles and a plan for the sons of Israel. Now, again, one salvation, one faith, there's no question. But he keeps, he keeps holding them as separate. Verse, chapter 11, verse 12. Now if there, the sons of Israel trespass means riches for the world, and if there, sons of Israel failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? God chose them. He didn't choose Egypt or the Philistines. He chose Israel. He called Israel. Yes, I, I do believe and understand this is a type for the church. Yes, I do understand and believe that this does not set them apart in their salvation, just as I said above. But I do believe that there's something there. I just don't fully understand what it is. As I said before, I don't take this to mean that when the sons of Israel return to the Lord, our salvation will become more, or it will mean more to us when, they, when they're saved, or, it will be, or God will become more glorious. But however you take it, something improves when the sons of Israel are fully included. As in most things like this, this doctrine involves eschatology or end times, and there are two huge ditches that we fall off in. One, di one ditch is the one that elevates ethnic Israel to a, to a place above where they belong. And so that when they do that, that destroys the first principle. And that's a ditch and, and, a, and a problem, and we can't fall off there. The second ditch is to deny the reality of the second. To deny the calling of God had any lasting effect on them as a nation. There are still people that were called by God, not to a piece of land, but to a faith and to himself. So, just as we are grafted into Israel so that 
we, we are Israel. And Israel is, is also this, this type for the church. You know, we have this. We look in the Old Testament and we see the, 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 this, the Israel being called out of the land. And he said, this is a type. This is a picture for us. And, and we're grafted into it. And, and I think the language and the imagery kind of gets mixed together and they swirl around. And it gets more than just a little confusing. But we cannot, but, but there, there are so many things here that are so clear, though, that, that, we, that the, what, what God would have us to see in this is clear. And, and, and sometimes you take these things and, and it's hard to pull apart. You know, we look at this passage in verse 22 that we read. And, and it says, otherwise you too will be cut off. Some people read this and say, here it is, clear passage that you can lose your salvation. You're in it, you're grafted in the tree, and you can be cut off from that. There it is, absolutely clear. But, look right down past that in verse 29. Verse 29 of the same chapter, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Which one? Can you be cut off or are they irrevocable? Well, I think both are absolutely true. I think it's just a little bit difficult, hard, hard for us to understand. So, and we'll, we'll come back to this, but I will warn you now that if you're looking for a definitive answer about ethnic Israel and the church and how all this fits together, please don't look to me for an answer. It's like if you're looking for a definitive answer on eschatology, talk to Carol. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the other night we were having our Bible study here. It was so funny. We're, we're studying through, through Thessalonians. And uh, uh, so while we're sitting there studying through, through 2 Thessalonians in that passage about end times, uh, Dan read a, you know, mentioned a uh, 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 meaning of that, a kind of interpretation, and it was the perfect understanding of the of a of a, a, a historical dispensational point of view, which which is valid, very good, you know, no problem. And Eli was there, and Eli was he he stated an understanding that was perfectly a preterist point of view, which is valid. And then Carol came up and she started, and she knows she did it, but she gave a perfect presentation of the uh, post-millennial point of view, which was valid. So in the space of both, so it's like, and, and all these were understandings. And so, you know, you get there and kind of pull them apart and, and you can get so caught up into it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know what I believe. But but uh, I, I wouldn't ever argue with somebody who believes differently about it, or I shouldn't ever argue, I should say. But I do believe this: there is only one spiritual Israel, and we, the Gentiles, are grafted in. This does not make us the roots or even the sprouting branches. We were grafted into that tree that was built by God, and the ethnic sons of Israel are what Paul calls the natural branches. And we the Gentiles are called the wild olive branches.
And, and this, is, this is that kind of, Paul kind of laid that out. But while there's a lot in here that's not clear, there's some very clear things that are, that are very easy to understand and more important that we understand and apply these. Paul is using ethnic Israel as a warning for us Gentiles. Paul's holding them up and says, look at them, look at them and take warning, take issue, look at this. Particularly, Paul is telling us to be careful with pride. God opposes the proud, we know, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6 or 1 Peter 5, 5. You know, we kind of mentioned last week, but to go back over, Paul says in verse 18, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. We are not to be arrogant toward the natural olive branches. You know, I, I didn't really get into this last week because we didn't have time, but, but, we need to, but we have to be careful in this reading and understand this. It seems like Paul's talking about two different things. Or, or, or to, as he talks about the root and the branches. But I think it's important to recognize that word for root. It, for us, when we hear the word root, we immediately think of what's under the ground. That part, that, that's, that part of the tree that's hid, that's under the ground. That wasn't necessarily true. For instance, in Matthew 3.10, Jesus used the same word. He said, Every, even now... The axe, or sorry, John the Baptist, even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Now, you don't use an axe under the ground. He's talking about that, that base of the tree, that, that bottom of the tree. We would call it the, the, the trunk. But, but, but what they really mean is that lower part, they call that the root. He said, even now the axe is ready to chop that tree down. He calls it the root. So he's saying that, that you know, even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. He is calling ethnic Israel the branches. They, they are the base of the tree, and we, the Gentiles, are not to be arrogant toward them. We're not to hold ourselves lofty. We're not to see ourselves as above them. He said this is very important. But the other warning is even more severe and more critical. And I think that Paul sees these two, two warnings as very closely linked. And I love how Paul plays out this conversation. You know, you kinda, he, he plays it out for us. I mean, he knows us so well, doesn't he? You know, he, he, he's heard it, and he knows our struggles. Here, here in our arrogance, in our natural selves, we are so quick to build ourselves up. In, in verse twenty says, or verse nineteen says, but then you will say, he said, I know you guys. This is what you're going to say. Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. He said, this is true. He said, he said the branches were cleared. Away. He, said, he said, you're going to say, well, the branches are cleared away so that God could graft me in. God could graft us in because we, we add so much to it. We're cleared out to make room for me. Oh, oh no, this, this is not me being arrogant. This is just stating the truth, right? I'm, I'm not being, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just stating the truth. You know, that this is what, what happened. 
And, and I can almost see Paul shaking his head. He says, no, no, they were not broken off to make room for you. They were broken off because of their unbelief. It was their unbelief. He's warning them of the danger of unbelief. There was a reason they were were cut off or broken off. It was their unbelief. But Paul, Paul above, you said they were given a a spirit of stupor. They, They were, but they were broken off because of their unbelief. Going on, but you stand fast through faith. You are not grafted in because you're so wonderful or smart or gifted. You're not, get, you're, you're not grafted in because you're so special. No, you stand fast, fast, sorry. You stand fast. You are grafted in through seeing and trusting what God did. You know, as I was writing this, there's a, there was a real temptation to write the word because. You know? There's a real temptation to say, you were, there's a real temptation for me to say, you were trusted out, you were grafted in because of your faith. And we use that word a lot. And I don't think we, we really stop and, 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 and think what Paul's trying to get across here and, and, and the difference that makes. We, we, we want to say that as if your faith is the active ingredient. But that's, what, that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying that your faith, he's not saying that our faith is the active, the active ingredient here. He's saying your faith is the conduit for the active ingredient. It is God's work. It is God who is the one who's done this. It is God who, you, you are grafted in through faith, not because of faith. Through faith, through seeing what God did, through seeing what he accomplished on the cross, through seeing him, not because of what you did. It's what what he has done. So do not become proud. So do not become proud, but fear. I have to say that it was really... You know, I told you, I love stopping and saying, now, what would I expect him to say in this point? I, I wouldn't have thought of fear. You know? I, you know, you would almost say, do not become proud, but be humble. Do not become proud, but, 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 but have be at peace with God, something. But he said, do not become proud, but fear. He said, it, it's nothing you've done. It's nothing that you can take credit for, so don't be proud. Instead, fear. You know, and, and, and all that, we, we hear so often, you know, that it's what God did. This is, you know, we, we hear that. But we don't hear the second half of that warning enough. Fear. So what are we supposed to fear? What are we supposed to be afraid of? Paul, you know, you, okay, don't become proud, but fear. Fear what? Fear says, he says, Paul said, this is where he, he, he's going to, we're going to apply this personally to us. This is the warning. 
listen to this. This is not an idle warning, he says. This, this is, he's telling you this. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will He spare you. Neither will He spare you. Our response is, but God is so kind and loving, isn't He? Isn't, isn't God just so, so, such a kind, loving God? He would never cut me off. Oh, he's that big, lovable teddy bear in the sky, right? Paul said in verse 22, Note the kindness and the severity of God. You need to see all of God. You need to see both sides of God's character. You need to see God, not just that, that sweet, kind God that loves children movies and just love everybody and, you know, well, you know, and he's just sort of doing the best he can. You need to see all of God. Yes, this God is loving. Yes, this God is kind. Yes, this God is long-suffering. And you can put any other sweet adjective you wanted to after that to describe God. It would fit. But you also need to see the severity of God. God is a jealous God. God is a holy God. Not just holy. He is holy, holy, holy. He is completely different from us. He is severity, his severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, you must continue. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. So what does it mean to continue? To continue, it means to continue to believe. To continue to trust God. To continue to believe that God is God and that he is worth everything. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Now, I invite you to turn there. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Because we're taking a principle that applies to a nation and we're applying it to us. And so we need some, some other scripture to kind of back that up. And it'll come more clear a little bit later. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. The writer of Hebrews writes, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you, sorry, an evil, unbelieving heart. Now notice, he's talking to the brothers. Take care, brothers. I'm calling you brothers. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now I want you to take note of 14. It's one of my favorite passages. For we have come to share in Christ. This has happened. You have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold fast our original confidence firm to the end. If we don't hold our original confidence firm to the end, then we have never come to share in Christ. In verse 15, as he said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. 
You know, please, please note, he's not talking to unbelievers here. I hear people use that verse all the day, all the time, as if to unbelievers. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to us. He's talking to those who have come to share in Christ if they hold their confidence firm to the end. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's talking to brothers and sisters that he believes have come to share. The warning is for those who are in the church. He's talking to us today if we hear his voice. Harden not your heart. He's not talking to the hard-hearted people out there in the world. Their heart's already hard. He's talking to us, believers. We are so tempted to stop believing, to stop trusting. I have a friend who has a more Armenian persuasion. And I once noted to him that we're exactly opposite in our understanding of salvation. He believes that it is completely your choice, that that you have the final power over your salvation when you come to Christ. It is up to you to choose or not choose. But after you're saved, you have no choice to make. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. I told him, well, I believe that ultimately it's God's choice who has the final power of salvation But after you're saved, you must choose every day to continue in it. I thought, how ironic that we have that completely backwards. Because he he says, once once you've chose God, you can never unchoose it. Saved for all time. Anyway, so what does it mean to stop believing, though? We need to make sure we understand this. What does it mean to stop believing? Does that mean... You don't believe that Jesus died on the cross anymore? Well, no, I don't think anybody ever stops believing that. You know, no one's that foolhardy. There are some who become atheists, who, who stop believing that God's in heaven, but, but that's not what he's talking about here. To stop believing means to stop seeing God as beautiful and glorious. It, 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 means, to, it means to believe the lies Instead of the truth. You know, that lie that says I'll be happier with the things of the world, that that I'll find real enjoyment in the things of the world, I'll find real peace in the things of the world, instead of the truth that there's only joy in Christ, only peace in Him. Or to stop believing it's to stop recognizing God as God. God, there's not really God who's going to judge my life. There's not really a God up there who, who's sovereign over all things. That's what I mean to stop believing. But I, I already know that if I stopped here, I would have a beeline from Ann and Jane afterward who would come up and say, but wait a minute. He is not talking about those who appear to be grafted in He's talking about those who are really grafted in. They will be cut off. So look, it looks like they lose their salvation, right? No, 
No, it's not, it's not what this means. Because remember, we're talking about nations and ethnic groups, not individuals. To say they were cut off does not nullify the remnants that were saved. They were always, so when we said that the Israel was cut off, it didn't mean there weren't anyone saved. There were still those who were saved in that group, the remnant. Um, and, and, and while certainly this is a type or principle that can be applied to an individual, we can do that because we have Scripture that clearly backs this up, that supports this. So we're talking about as a nation, um, they were cut off. And, and as a nation, the Gentiles can be cut off. Doesn't mean there won't be anyone saved. It just means um, it, 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 we just, the, the church becomes more of the natural branch with what it would look like if that were possible. But, but, but this applies to individuals. And the problem is if you, if you take it there, if you take this to mean, no, this means individuals, then look what happens with the next verse in, in Romans eleven twenty three. And even if they do not continue in their, in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. In other words, if you, if you take this to mean individuals, then they're saved, then they're lost, and then they're saved again. And, and yes, there are people that believe that, that, that you know, you can, you can be lost and saved and lost and saved and lost and saved. And I guess your, your prayer is that you don't die in a car wreck when you've had something to drink. You've know, you got to have some time to get saved one more time. And, and that, um, I, that's, not what this applies. that's not what this means. There's no confidence in There's no assurance in salvation. Like I said, this, this principle can be applied to individuals because of the text in Hebrews. But the meaning of the text concerns the nations. So in addressing us about the children of Israel, Paul says that if they don't continue in their unbelief, or he could have said, if they start believing, they, they will be grafted in. The implications are that, the, that this is the only way to be grafted in, through faith, through recognizing what God has done for you. Verse 24. So if you were cut from, an, from, a, if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back in to their own olive tree? It's easier for them to be grafted in than it is for you to be grafted in. Be careful, pride, he said. This is the warning. When we read this warning from God, do, do we read them as, as, as from someone who loves us and cares for us? Because the reality is, most of the time when we read the warnings, you know what we do. That person really needs to hear this, don't we? I, I know some people that really need to hear this warning. That's what I do. I'm thinking, man, somebody else really needs to hear this warning. God says, today, today, if you, if you hear this, do not harden your heart as you did in the day of rebellion. Remember, these people have already been called out of Egypt. They've already come through the Red Sea. Don't, don't be like them, he says. He's not talking about the people in Israel. I'm sorry, people in Egypt. 
He's talking about those whom he loves and cares for. And, and he said, you know, and the rest of the warnings, all the way through the Scriptures. When it says false prophets, it means you need to be aware of false prophets. You need to be aware of the danger of falling away. Don't try to put this off on someone else. God warns us because He loves us. He loves us, and we're all we're all in danger of falling away. And here's the, the crazy part. This I think this is the part that really kind of scares me. The less I feel in danger, the more in danger I really am, aren't I? The less I feel like I don't need this, I mean, the, the less, I, I, I'm not really saying right, but I hope you understand what I mean. The, the more I feel like I don't need this, it's evidence the more, more I do need this, the more proud I am of where I am. Oh, I won't fall away. I won't, I won't, I won't drift off. He says, watch out, be careful. Don't be proud, but fear. Fear, that could be me. 